0: Hello, and welcome to Chaos Dwarf Radio, the brazen broadcast brought to your ears from our microphones through the magic of a well aimed ass cannon. My name is Oximandas, and with me today I have Reva. Hi there. Michael X. Hey, what's up? And Chitskoi. Hi, guys. Um, now, we're not wholly sure if today's episode is going to be a shorter episode or a longer episode than last time, because we've decided to divide up some topics that we'd planned for episode two. So we're going to have today's episode two, but we're also going to be having a spin-off third episode which can be a golden hat special coming out pretty soon as well so how long this episode is kind of depends really on how much we can talk and uh if episode one's anything to go by i reckon we could talk the hind legs off a great tourist between us couldn't we <laughs> um should work should work should be fine now our main topics today um we're going to have uh two main discussions one of them is going to be a uh range review michael x is going to be talking us through um lost kingdom miniatures and some of the highlights of their chaos dwarf range and we're also going to be having a discussion about hobgoblins you know what are they do we need them why they so bloody expensive on the second-hand market and maybe what we can do as hobbyists in order to get some decent Hobgoblin proxies um, in our armies. Uh, well, first of all, maybe we should have a little catch-up, gents. Uh, what have we all been up to since our listeners heard from us last? Who wants to kick off? I can have a go. Go for it, Michael.
1: Since last time, I think I just... Gave myself a massive deadline because I planned the battle in uh, three weeks from now. (laughs) So I still have a whole... I'm looking at them right now. 36 warriors or blunderbuss warriors and uh, 11 Bull Centaurs to paint. So that's what I've been up to. But the sad thing is I've been pretty distracted by other stuff that um, our Italian friend on the discourse has been... Uh, showing stuff about, uh, namely gaslands. So yeah. Mostly that. It's really nice to have something completely different to paint, but bad timing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and everything else is pretty much the same every day. <laughs> you know, working from home. Nothing new there.
0: So, if these if these blunderbuss if these blunderbuss models aren't done on time, Michael, it's it's Eddie on the forum we have to blame directly. Yeah?
2: Is that right?
1: Yeah, all of those. I okay. Have to spam his uh, his Facebook or something or his Instagram. Some
2: of that, some of that Gasland stuff is very impressive. It's some really great weathering techniques you've been using, Michael.
1: And they're so simple. I mean, the thing is, you know, I haven't weathered much because mostly it's rust techniques that I've been using on these on, on these things. But it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, the containers I painted, you, you probably saw them. Um, they're like four hours painting, mostly. Uh, rattle can and a bit of spray paint with the airbrush. I don't think I even used a brush, an actual brush on them, since it's it's ridiculous. And it's all 3D printed.
3: Yeah, seeing what you guys have been uh, what you guys have been cranking out, I ended up uh, sorting out my my trash box, which has just been overflowing recently. But I've been got a few large containers. I've been just sifting through. It's a very dangerous proposition. Seeing all that stuff flying across the forum. It's a, definitely makes me want to drop everything i'm doing and pick it up so i see how you've been distracted by it <laughs> yeah it's addictive
0: awesome awesome
3: Reva, mate what have you uh
0: what you've been up to hobby wise lately
3: uh, as usual a uh, real mixed bag uh finished up some blunderbuss warriors from russian alternative not too long ago i believe that was right after our our last episode actually um so those are a blast it was a not not too large of a unit but uh, i buffeted out the like mod, 10 models that come in the kit to with, with some troop filler and some custom builds on it. So I've finished that up. I've uh, been pretty distracted by a couple of Thousand Sun Sorcerers recently. Uh, so those took a w- way too much time, all things said, but just so many colors on those guys. It's a lot of fun to work with, but just takes time.
0: Yeah, those Thousand Suns look beautiful though, mate. I saw, I saw the most recent one you posted in your uh, Battle Against the Grey uh, Fred. you have on a forum. Like, Beautiful, beautiful work, mate. Really nicely done.
3: Yeah, thank you. That That's my favorite one by far. That's like, I, I got that kit and uh, it's got some great bits in it. A uh, couple of issues with how how the the, the kit kind of directs you toward uh, assembling them in certain configurations, but nothing you can't overcome. So I was, got the kit and you just see all this like uh, Thoth themed like Egypty bits. I was like, well, I'll, those all need to live on the same model. There's <laughs> really no no way around it. Um, so that was the first one that I built up was that, that one that I painted most recently. But yeah. Those. So those are fun. Other than that, uh, just today, actually, I was in the, in the airbrush booth doing, uh, probably like 40 or 50 miniatures for Bloodborne, the board game. So that's, that's about to begin, um, pretty much starting with, uh, the player characters so that when people pick up the board game, they at least can play with, uh, play with somebody that's painted. So that's my start. Yeah, it's uh it's an undertaking for sure, but uh I've been I've been playing the game a couple times in person, a couple times uh on tabletop simulator. So been been really enjoying it. Uh, cooperative, more of like a action adventure kind of crawler game, a little hero questy, but uh, no dice, which is is uh, the weirdest part about it. But
0: Oh, no dice. How about what are the mechanics? Is it card-based or something?
3: Yeah, so you have uh you have a deck of 12 cards and uh The whole mechanic of like leveling up that's very like Soulsian is uh, taking, you know, cards out of that deck and replacing them with better ones. So you're, you have this deck of 12 cards and you have three in your hand and you can only do so many actions during your turn. Um, So when you, you go to play your card, then the enemy will react to what you do. Um, So yeah, you're not like saying, I need a four up to damage this person. It's, I am committing to doing this thing. What will the enemy do? And then you, resolve the result so it's, yeah it's very card driven
0: interesting interesting very different. i mean for people that have obviously come from warhammer backgrounds i'm just yeah knowing that when i say i'm going to do something i'm actually going to do it is a, is a luxury <laughs>
2: <laughs> would you say the minis are more chaos dwarf color scheme or zinch color scheme given how massively contrasting your two chosen palettes usually are
3: i think they'll be um They'll be very gray, so I think they'll end up closer to the dark uh, chaos dwarf color palette. Um, I'm probably not going to be using metals, though, so that'll be the main the main difference against my chaos source, which used piles of true metal. Um, but yeah, mostly darker and grittier. Um, lots of reds, so that'll be more similar to chaos source than the the
1: thousand sun sorcerers for sure. when you say no metal, do you mean non-metallic metal? Or no metal at all. There's really very
3: little metal. Um, there will be a couple of instances where I'm gonna I'm gonna have my hand at non-metallic, but it's really it's really quite minimal on the amount of uh, actual like metal that's showing. Um, hmm. I might use like a tiny bit of true metal in like filigree or something like that, but yeah, mostly try and avoid it if I can.
2: That's so interesting. I guess it's mostly what cloth and guns.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cloth and guns and for the most part I'm going to treat the, grunt, the the guns pretty like gritty, you know, not like a shiny metallic barrel. So it'll yeah, and then the all the enemies and stuff, they almost have no metal. They're all just kind of like wolves and beasts and stuff like that. So not really a whole lot of metal needed uh, in huh. general.
0: Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing the results of that, mate. The little bits you've shown already with the uh, with the cool basing and stuff you've been doing, those Bloodborne
2: minis. Yeah.
3: Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon.
2: Um, Chits, what have you been up to, mate? Well, I think everyone um, on the forum knows, unfortunately for me right now, the hobby is confined to fiction and uh collecting so for me hobby news is all about the things i've been buying the things i've been writing um i think i may have mentioned it to a couple of people around i, I sold my first uh piece of fiction to the war zone eternal project uh which you guys can find on facebook if you're interested uh they're bringing back that classic 90s heroic scale style stuff and i think the minis and the kickstarter are going to go up soon um, i've also been working of course on among the wicked darwin mostly in the background but you've got some green skin and hobgoblin themed passages coming up for that um and then at the same time hilariously given the topic that we've got this week i've also been rounding out my collection of vintage 90s hobgoblin miniatures so i was i would say about a third of the way through the range when we did the last podcast but since then i've made some good purchases some late night purchases that were probably a bit (laughs) spurious um some anger driven purchases because someone was determined to beat me in an auction um and i've brought quite a lot of kind of 80s era goblins but more importantly those 93 big hat hobgoblin axemen, and wolf riders um into my collection which is a really nice thing um although you know it's very likely i'm never going to finish it um the other thing that i've been doing really is helping other people to find the miniatures they're looking for which is always very fun um and the last thing i'll say is that i finished my collection of the asgore era hellsmiths um just this week i got the last one out of the six that were released
0: nice i think you shared a picture of that that was the uh yeah. the warhammer world uh forge world store one wasn't it the one who looks like a proper yeah. big hat doesn't he
2: yeah. New in box, which is always a reassuring thing when you're buying resin. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice one. What a good find, mate. It didn't cost me an arm and a leg. It may have cost me a toe or two. <laughs> uh, um, you know, ultimately, that's the joy of vintage collecting, right? Is is you very much um, have to get lucky. And I think with that one being the last piece, it's always nice finishing a collection as well.
0: Lovely. I lovely. I think that people approach the collection of chaos dwarfs in very different ways. I think sometimes people are going for that. I mean, it's a, to collect those exact miniatures. I don't really care about duplicates and stuff like that too much. I just want, mm. I, want I want one of everything. I think you, you're very much into that, aren't you, Chits? Where I think other people are more like, um, how can I try to emulate the old stuff by using uh, what's available today sort of thing as well? It's just dif- different ways of approaching it, really. And I think it's nice that our forum has always been a place for the people that are out there to collect all the old miniatures as well as the people that are out there to create new stuff that feels like the old miniatures it's cool
2: yeah absolutely i'd agree with that i also think that um especially when it comes to that 90s stuff i definitely want one of everything that's very much my objective i don't therefore need dupes of everything to fill out regiments um, which is is a relief because the prices we're going to talk about for the Hobgoblins later make that financially untenable. Um, so it's, it's something where someday I'll put these guys on the table together with the stuff that I've got from 3D printed ranges, the stuff that I've got from small shops, the stuff that I've got from um, Mantic and things like that. And they will be a diverse bunch, um, but they'll come together uh, in their own way, I'm sure. Nice one, nice one.
0: And and as for myself, um, the stuff that I've been working on lately, I I haven't been painting a ton of miniatures lately. I I go through fits and starts with miniatures. Sometimes I'll paint, you know, 50 miniatures in a month, and other times I'll paint absolutely zero. And it's been a a close to zero month actually for me. I've been working really hard on getting this gaming room um, finished. I'm currently sat in it. I'm sat on the half of the gaming room that has a floor, which tells you though, I'm getting close. It's not quite done yet. So that's that's what I've been really really focusing my energy on is just getting this room finished because the date, hopefully um when we can start rolling dice again in britain is is approaching quite quickly and I would like to have a nice space where I can do that with my mates again, but that just means a few little bits have to be done I, I did paint one miniature recently actually I painted a um i painted and i feel I feel dirty even saying it guys I, I painted an elf I know I know. I did bad and I feel bad. But it was from- you kept that quiet. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. You notice I didn't share that one on the forum, did I? No. <laughs> the reason is is that um my my partner who's who and she's she's never really been into to gaming as such. She doesn't mind board games and that, but she's never been into like war gaming or anything like that. A friend of hers from work has really, really gotten into um Dungeons and Dragons. During lockdown, she's been playing it on. I think it's like the Roll Twenty site. She's doing like a remote Dungeons and Dragons, and this girl's really, really got into DMing. And she said, "Would you like to join uh, in a game of Dungeons and Dragons?" And, and my my partner was like, "Yeah, sure, go for it." And then she said, "Do you think your partner might be into something like that?" And she was like, "I think he might bite your hand off." <laughs> <laughs> So uh yeah, so it's it's interesting really. We're now building up for a, a Dungeons and Dragons one shot, which might evolve into a campaign depending on how much people like or hate it because apart from myself and the Dungeon master uh, out of the five or six people that are taking part, nobody else has ever done a tabletop RPG before. so it's gonna be an interesting one. it's it's, it's basically like a group of newbies and 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 me although I say I'm not I say I'm not a newbie've I've played Dungeons and dragons. A lot, but it's all been third edition and it's been Pathfinder for kind of spin off of third edition and, and these guys are playing um fifth edition. So I'm sure the differences will only be nuanced, but it'll probably be enough that I will think I know what I'm doing when I don't actually know what I'm doing. it will almost be better off not knowing, do you know what I mean?
1: Maybe. I know I don't know. I, I don't think it would be shocking.
0: Yeah, you think you think it would work all right, yeah?
1: Well, I haven't played Pathfinder a lot, but fifth edition is pretty well it's a nice game it's it's not that hard it's not really that well for me at least it's not that far from uh fourth edition anyway
2: nice i'd also suspect a new dm tends to be a very story driven dm right and from that perspective i think it's very likely that the game mechanics are not gonna kind of get in the way of of any group that is new to the Mm. terrain in the way that yours is
0: yeah yeah that would be nice to be honest because that's the one thing with rpgs isn't it when you learn how to role play you can port that over to any system and actually even when i play pathfinder before um corona and stuff i was playing a uh i was i was, I was two years into a, a pathfinder campaign which we're hopefully going to pick up again after all this is done but even that i i always pick a fighter because it's like look i don't really care about spells and skills too much just Point me in the direction of what i need to hit and i'll hit it during the combat phase and then in the role-playing phase i can really get into it i mean that's the side of rpg and i really like anyways is that kind of escapism and that sort of playing a character uh, anyway that's that's why i ended up painting an elf because um my my uh other half decided that she wanted to be a wood elf druid of all things and um, i searched high and low in my miniatures collection i had nothing of that description um, which I think just goes to show that I've made good life choices. Um, so I ended up three um, D printing a-, a-, a wood elf and uh, and and uh, painting it up for I, I might share on the discourse at some point. I probably won't. I think if I do, Eddie will bully me, so <laughs> I won't.
1: No, <laughs> it probably will.
3: <laughs> well, we're glad you made it out the other end of that. Hopefully, it doesn't. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't stick around any more than that.
0: Yeah, that's it, Reva. If you see me in a couple of weeks going, yeah, I've picked up a box of wood elves, have a word with me, mate. Take me to the side and you know, intervene, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, gents, I think we should probably get on to um, our, our topics for the day. Um, the the first thing we're going to be talking about is going to be a, uh, a, a miniature range review. And this is one of these um, ranges of... Chaos Dwarfs that just were not around when I was first getting back into uh, Chaos Dwarfs and Big Hats and stuff like that. Um, it seems that a market in recent years and literally the last three or four years has just absolutely exploded with um, options for people who want to collect Chaos Dwarfs in a way that just was not there before. And this company, Lost Kingdom Miniatures, has been one of the companies at the forefront of that kind of um smashing out some absolutely beautiful um, Chaos Dwarf uh, sculpts. But I don't want to talk about it too much because Michael, you're going to be kind of leading us a little bit through this. So Michael, do you want to talk to us a little bit about Lost Kingdom miniatures and some of their, uh, are, they, are they Chaos Dwarfs? Are they Magmorum dwarves or something?
1: What are they? Yes, Magmorum Dwarfs, exactly. Well, my first introduction to them was with their Kickstarter somewhere, I don't know exactly when, but I believe mid 2020. And it was a, I I got to know them from their Lizardman models, which is my, well, my, uh, it's my biggest painted army, let's put it like that, Uh, my main army. And even though I didn't really plan on (laughs) printing more because I just finished painting them all, uh, I still love them so much that I wanted to have the option to print them uh, and add to them. Um, but the other half of the Kickstarter, it was two-part. One part was for all the Lizardman models, and the other part was for the dwarves, uh, the McMoran draws. And, um, well, my first instinct was I have to have those because I always wanted to print a Chaos Dwarf army, or have a Chaos Dwarf army. Um, and that's how I got to know them. Then I found out they also have a Patreon, which was even better because, well, you get a new set of models each month. Um, So I subscribed to their Patreon, uh, I think somewhere in May last year, something like that. Um, And I selected some of those Patreon releases or some models from two releases uh, that I want to uh, discuss because I think they're just beautiful. Um, And I was a bit, in in between should i go for characters and and war machines and stuff like that you know the the fancy stuff uh, or more infantry and stuff like that but in the end i chose to go for infantry because well that's the grunt of the army so to speak um and i think more people will be interested in that than in the Mm -hmm. summer two special characters Mm -hmm. um now, for the listeners at home, this might be hard to imagine. So if someone would be interested in images, I think we can make some thread on the discourse or something where we should, where we can post these, Jack, uh, that might be a good idea for the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. what uh, we so can do is we can make a little forum section and just say, you know, um, image images from um from episode two of the brazen broadcast or whatever and what we can do is we can link that at the bottom of our show so then when listeners if they if they want to look at the pictures as we discuss them those pictures can be up there
1: then i think that's a good idea because well we're talking about pictures a lot and you know context is everything right so the first i want to talk to you guys about it's the set of warriors i well I, i painted a unit uh, two weeks ago of these guys and i'm painting another one in about a month probably um and the reason i like these is because they just they have everything they have big heads they have helmets they have beards and they have beautiful shields i'll upload those in a few minutes um but for me these are they 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 are like to me, the, the more modern version of the original Chaos well, not the original, third edition Chaos Dwarfs. That's just how I imagine them to be more modern looking. I don't know what you guys think of those. I completely agree, mate. I, I look at um,
2: the, the infantry and especially the way that individual dwarfs are done in Lost Kingdom, and I think this is the best rendition of Grim Dark Big Hats that we have on the field at the moment right and and you see like russian alternative are in a similar space but lost kingdom has really amped up the grimdark and i think mm. they've they've done it in a way where the hats aren't silly um the horns are clearly they're individual but they're all clearly like a running motif whether your dwarf's got a head on or not um and i think that they are the top-of-the-line rendition for if you want big hats that
1: look serious exactly i mean that's the thing you know they look like dwarves and they look very ominous they, they are they look scary for me i mean imagine walking on the street and bumping into one of those guys
2: <laughs> yeah no thank you <laughs> Oh, and 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 not to not to move on the topic at all but but one of the things we probably won't talk about today is that like the lost kingdom range it involves the impaled um prisoners they've got like a range of prisoners who are just yeah. on stakes or exactly. have been flayed and these, are the chaos dwarfs that I am writing about, right? When I write among the wicked Darwin, these are scary dudes. You would not want to fall into
1: their clutches. Exactly. I think the, the impaled warriors were part of the part of the Kickstarter actually.
3: Yeah, they definitely were. Uh, I was on that Kickstarter mostly for the, uh, the FDM uh, terrain aspect of it, but definitely looking forward to getting into all the, uh, the the SLA bits that they included m- Mostly as stretch goals, I think, because the, yeah. the main part of that Kickstarter was mostly FDM. But then when they got into the stretch goals, they were just churning out all these cool SLA models, which is just awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Have you ever uh, looked at the size of the Mag- Magmorum Dwarf Walls and Towers at one hundred percent?
3: I haven't printed any of them, uh, but I've definitely it's, played it's played around with them in uh, you know in three D space on the computer, and yeah, it's. I've been trying to figure out some good ways to use them for something more uh, nautical. Big surprise there. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I'm looking at one of the towers now, and it's four, no, five stories, and it's about, I uh, guess, about two and a half times the height of the normal plastic Warhammer Siege Castle. Oof. The the tower. It's, yeah, it's Massive. Also, print times are insane. I think I printed about a week for one tower, so... <laughs> not going to do that again I, I decided that if i'm going to print them again i'm going to probably downscale them um well at least 70 to, to, to 70 or 60 percent of the original size mm.
0: Michael, something i really really like about the miniatures you have just shared there um you've, you've sent us a picture of of two ranks of of lost kingdom cast dwarf warriors the first rank are using axes which is that classic dwarf weapon But it's that second rank behind where they have pole arms, you know, kind of like curved spears and kind of like um, those sorts of weapons. That's something I'm really, really into. I think cow dwarfs are a historically inspired army and the the historical period they are inspired by, you know, ancient Babylon and stuff is, is in antiquity. And in those days, Spear was the king of the battlefield. You know, it's not as it's not as romanticized, perhaps, as swords and axes and things like that. But spears were used so heavily in ancient warfare, and I think that's something that maybe, if I were to go back in time and to have a look at the uh, the old 1990s big hats again, is I'd be pushing for spears on them because I think it's a it's a weapon that just seems to fit the aesthetic of that kind of ancient Near Eastern soldier an awful lot more than an axe does.
1: Mm -hmm. Also, when you think about a dwarf, they're mostly pretty, um, what's the word, Uh, drilled into a unit. Yeah, disciplined. Disciplined, that's what I'm looking for. So if you think of a a tight, disciplined unit, you know, spears make much more sense than an axe, especially for second and third ranks.
2: And especially for small dudes Mm. fighting bigger dudes. Right, like you, it would be almost size of a pike to a dwarf. <laughs> I I've got to agree with with Oxy there. I, I also think one of the best things about Lost Kingdom. This is quite difficult. I'm going to try and express this as succinctly as I can. There's kind of a bit of an identity crisis in post GW chaos dwarf ranges, where it's like, are these dwarves who've gone insane, or are these dwarves who worship an evil god? And some of the dwarves who've gone insane have got weapons that are quite rusty or damaged. And I'm thinking of people like mom miniatures and things like that, where they have these weapons and armor that are quite battered. And that doesn't say what I do as a dwarf is I spend all my time in the forge and I'm an amazing artisan. I'm just an evil artisan. And what Mm. I really like about the lost kingdom infantry is those shields that you're showing us and those pole arms. They're all evil but they're all also clearly works of great craft and skill, which is what I associate
1: with, especially Warhammer dwarves. Exactly. That's the reason I I wanted to share the shields with you guys, because they are, for me, the absolute highlight of these models. They are stunning. I I like a lot of shields designs, but these are just, well, perfect. I, I couldn't do it better. I love these shields.
3: Yeah, I think you sent those to me, uh, pictures of them, Michael. Uh, not I long did. ago, because I was looking for shield inspiration. I remember all of these designs. They're, they're incredible, really, and especially for a rank and file unit. It's just for the look of the unit. For me, that's such an important thing to have. You know, a shield that's not just like, yeah, it's a blank space that's taken up most of the visual interest across the whole unit. Mm-hmm. Um, but these definitely don't fall into that. These are, yeah, like you said, artisanship is what they really seem like
1: any blacksmith would be proud to produce a shield looking at that like that
3: i know i would i was gonna say don't we have to defer to you on that
1: you're the black <laughs> well yeah i don't think i could make that <laughs> not even if i had a million years but so, <laughs> i would be proud to <laughs> um so not to linger too long because i still have a few units left um skipping to the latest release that um they introduced us to deadguards and they look more like the um, the forge world dwarves or at least that's the, the vibe i got and i love their blunderbuss units almost made me regret printing the titan forge units but i still really like those so i'll just have a lot of blunderbuss units in the end no hate
0: that's the answer isn't it mate yeah get both
1: Exactly. <laughs> well, my backlog is, is pretty pretty sizable, so I might end up with a six k army with a lot of duplicate units, but who cares? Um, I really like the the helmets of these guys and the sort sort of horns on their head. For some, well, for me, it looks really evil. It's just just looking at the the the, the mask is, yeah, it's it's terrifying if you see a unit of faceless. Masked, hornless in this case, dwarfs with absolutely spiky um, blunderbuss weapons. They are probably the next unit I'm going to print.
0: I, I, think, I think actually these are doing something quite impressive because I believe in last uh, episode we were talking a little bit about how Chaos Dwarfs um, in the old 1990s range had blunderbusses. And then the decision was made in the Forge World range to change him to those fire glaives. And we we had a bit of a laugh, didn't we, about how a blunderbuss isn't a super high-tech weapon for a super high-tech race like the Cow's Dwarves. But looking at these guys... These blunderbusses, to me, look like handheld demon cannons. They look like hell cannons that you could hold. Do you know what I mean? I'm not getting a low-tech vibe from these. I'm actually getting quite the opposite. These, to me, look like they could almost be like demon-infused sort of weapons. I'd agree with that, Oxy.
2: Um, One of the things I think is best about these guys is they've got this, like, they're, they're clearly Infernal Guard, right, because they've clearly had their horns chopped off and then they've been sealed into some armor and unlike vanilla infernal guard they've got skull helms which i think adds to the vibe the aesthetic that these are distinctively different troops from the rest of the group these are you know prisoners fundamentally these are slave soldiers even amongst the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. troops and in that context you kind of start to see from a lore perspective why do they have this short range blunderbuss weapon well it's very damaging you couldn't give it to a greenskin Um, You wouldn't want to hold it yourself because you have to get right up close to the enemy. So they've got massive bayonets, heavy armor. They go right up in front of the enemy and then they fire. And I just think it's like one of those units where I'm like, I get it now. I get why they use blunderbusses because these are their expendable shock troops who've had their horns pulled off and sealed into their armor. So, of course, they've got high risk, high reward weapons.
1: That's a very good description
3: yeah i was gonna say i think this is one of the first lost kingdom units that i'd i'd ever seen this was before they ran that kickstarter um but back then they had what i would say is the equivalent of a crossbow looking uh feature i'm not sure if michael if you have any of those but it was the the masked uh it was the masked dudes but with this very similar posing just with a different uh a different weapon so i'm glad to see that they've kind of come full circle and, and brought more of a traditional looking well say traditional but a weapon that we're more used to seeing on infernal guard
1: i hadn't make the connection actually but now now, now that you mention it i uh, printed two of the uh crossbow dudes with for the i don't know which one one of the golden hats uh, a while back and i didn't really connect those two but they look very similar indeed
3: yeah i mean i'm assuming they probably reposed and, and whatnot but that at least like in terms of the aesthetic of the face and the general look of it, they seem to be pretty similar. I remember, like back when I first started uh, Chaos Dwarfs, I was you know sitting there looking at Forge World, and I was also had Lost Kingdom open, and this was when they still sold you know direct resin copies instead of just uh, you know files for 3D printing. Uh, so this was pretty early on in their web store, and these were just perpetually out of stock. Um, so I never ended up pulling the trigger, but I was very close to just going this direction from, from the very beginning before I went and made uh, some war machine purchases on forge.
2: I'd say two things, Reva, that you've inspired me to realize. I think even though these aren't actually my favorite miniatures in the range, I think if I wanted to sell someone on chaos dwarfs, I think I'd show them this. I think these minis are a manifesto in a nutshell, really quickly and immediately to show you what this is all about. Um, and I also think this is the one regiment that I can imagine, like a Warriors of Chaos player buying and being like, if I have one unit of Chaos Dwarfs in my overall group, other than the lads who run my Hell Cannons, it would probably be these scary skull helmed. Because that's a motif that they usually keep back for necromancy, right? And in reality, that's squandered. These guys have got a real Chaos appeal and I can imagine mm. that they would have been sold out regularly back when they were sold as miniatures because uh, I just think that they go a bit beyond the Mesopotamian thing and I think they've got more appeal as a result.
0: Well I mean that must be true Chits because I'm actually just, I'm looking at them now with thinking of my uh new Chaos Dwarf army, which is very much more Chaos Warrior influenced. My new Chaos Dwarf army are like uh Chaos Dwarf barbarians and I'm looking at these guys and I'm thinking They would fit in my cow's dwarf army just as well as they'd fit in a very Mesopotamian-themed one. And the fact that, as you've said already, they've got these kind of motifs that suggest that they are incarcerated, like they've got the the skull face plates on, their, their horns have been shaved off and stuff. Have you noticed their beards aren't braided like the other cow's dwarfs as well? It's just another little nod towards these guys not being very well looked after, isn't it? I think they'd fit in my army pretty bloody well. I'm, I'm, I'm quite tempted.
2: I think, I think the straight beards isn't something that I'd necessarily picked up on. But you're right. It, it. Well, like I'm saying at the beginning, this is a very lawful miniature in and of itself. If you hold it, then you're inherently able to be like, who is this fella? He's clearly part of a whole thing. He's clearly not any none of this design or composition is by accident or for flair or for style these are up close ranged weapons these are disgraced characters and that's not an amount of character you normally see in a line infantry sculpt you know what i mean you might see that on like an army standard bearer or a hero but -hmm. you're not seeing that on your line infantry from other suppliers
3: yeah i think that's something very typical of very typical of lost kingdom they seem to be to that level of detail for every single thing they crank out whether it be you know down to those humans on spikes like you mentioned from the kickstarter or, or one rank and file dude they have that quality is
1: there hmm. yeah they definitely look at the lore of the of the unit they're they're designing which is nice because you know what i like about these models is as you said Chits, if you know the the history of infernal guard you see all these details which confirms okay that's that's the infernal guard but if you don't know any of this, and you look at them, well, they'd still have a huge appeal to any Chaos Dwarf player, as you said, because they just look evil and chaosy and well armored, as whole Chaos armies usually are. So it's 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 just a beautiful unit to me.
3: Yeah, Michael, I'd be interested to hear um, since you have these models, have you've printed them already? Is that correct?
1: Nope.
3: Not yet. Okay. They are the next. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear. Uh, how that goes there my one caveat to this you know kind of praise that we've been funneling along to this unit is just that i'd like to see some poses with the guns pointed uh more straightforward um and and i'm kind of curious as to whether or not this is an artifact of the uh, of these being previously holding crossbows um but seeing the uh, i mean i love the back rank uh seeing the front rank i think i'd like a little bit more uh like direct firing and uh, I'd just be interested to hear about the models and, like, posability and things like that, uh, because it could just be how they're, you know, showing us these renders and something that you could mm. easily overcome when you, um, you know, have the model in hand.
1: Mm, I don't think you can really repose them without significance, either digital or, or physical. Uh, well, let's say green stuffing. Uh, this is purely based on the Titan Titanforge uh, Blunderbuss models I printed. Uh, because they also have the same components, you know, body uh, with the head stuck to it and then left arm, right arm and the separate gun. Um, And, well, they were quite complex to glue together uh, because if you get the angle of one arm a tiny bit off, then the rest doesn't really fit beautifully anymore. I'm assuming the same will be true for these guys, looking at the renders. I haven't looked at the 3D files much, uh, so I might be wrong. But I'm pretty sure you won't be able to point them forward. Um, another thing is that I assume they were more trying to get the look of a unit marching than a unit firing, which is why they probably not pointed forward.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely fair. I, I definitely usually I'm am I'm a unit variety person. As opposed to a, I want a nice, you know, every everybody looking very ranked and filed. I'm definitely much more of a diorama in a unit kind of person. So that's pretty pretty much my opinion. But yeah, I could definitely see how that the with that back arm kind of reaching more around the gun instead of more, you know, holstering that right up against the shoulder. That definitely seems to be more like a marching unit.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that you won't be able to easily convert these two shooting gun at the shoulder type units or models but that's that uh, that's oxymondias uh, his specialty now
0: hardly a specialty, mate uh, <laughs> the, the mesh mixing that i've been doing has been dipping my toes in the paddling pool that is 3d <laughs> modeling do you know what i mean 3d modeling's an ocean i'm in a
2: shallow end yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i might have dumped you in it a bit on the discord when i said that you were getting your printer up and running and you're willing to print for other people I think,
0: you, I, think, I think you're dropping me in it even more by saying that on a public broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone asks, I haven't got a free. d No, I'm joking. I'm happy to help out, uh, uh, you know, C- CDO aficionados, assuming they're local and don't mind paying for the, uh, the resources. Um, yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. It's like I was saying on Discord the other day, CDO family, innit? Do you know what I mean? We all... We all Look out for each other. We're all collecting a very hard to collect faction. So, if there's a way of getting miniatures in somebody else's collection, absolutely, I'll help out where I can.
1: Well, I've said it before and I probably will say it again a lot of times, but I am daily I'm amazed at how freely this community wants to help other guys on the forum. It's absolutely terrific. Anyway, I have one more infantry unit and then two more. Other units, so I'll just throw in some pictures now. Now, these guys, they are, well, they they kind of like dumped me because I wouldn't really know what to use them for. They're called Elite Guard by Lost Kingdom, and they just look like, well, Chaos Dwarf Ninjas or Samurai. They they just, they're very dynamic looking units, but I have no idea what I would use these as for what I would proxy those but those dual dual-handed weapons—they just look very intimidating. I, I really like that they all still share the same style. You know, the same boots, the same uh, chainmail and uh, plate mail skirt, like all the other ranges I've just of already all the, all, the, all, uh, all the other units I've just shown. It's it's a really consistent feel.
0: Definitely, definitely. Are you saying about what you could use these for? I think the and we'll, we'll get on to kind of what these guys look like and stuff and our, our thoughts now in, in a sec but just as to what you could use them for i would lean towards maybe immortal guard with great weapons
3: yeah it's interesting you say that because like there there's definitely several in there that have they're holding a like a longer handled blade like a, almost like a guandao type style and uh but not a, not a full host of them. So there's only so many in that, in that unit that seem to be holding that way. And then you have a couple that are dual wielding. So that does make kind of a Proxier's nightmare when you're looking at it.
0: It's a strange choice, really. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest, and I don't want to badmouth Lost the miniatures because their work is absolutely beautiful. But I, I'm, I, I was extremely excited by that last unit you showed me. But this one, I don't know, there's something about it that's not clicking with me. Maybe it's that the the weapons look a little bit too far eastern as opposed to near eastern. I don't know.
2: But let me get let me get a try, um, Oxy. I think that you would like these more if they were on circular bases. There were three of them and they were solos rather than a regiment.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. This could make a cool little elite Age of Sigmar unit, but maybe it doesn't work very well as a regimented Kings of War or Fantasy Battles unit.
2: Yeah. Because the problem they've got as ranked infantry is that their swords are so big that the lads in the back row are gonna have to chop through the lads in the front row to get anything going. And a lot of them have got these really broad moves, like there's the fella on the far left. If you guys look at the picture, you'll know what I mean. Um the fella on the far left, his sword he can only stand on the far left of that regiment, right? Because his sword is going to go into the guy next to him otherwise. And and I think what these are, to me, is that they've taken something that might be a cool pose for a character and they've ranked it up. Nice, nice motif on these. Nice little motif. They've got engravings on the swords, which, again, it plays into that thing you were saying earlier, Oxy, where it's like these weapons are probably possessed. And, and mm-hmm. that's been carved into the detail. You don't have to paint that. Um, on yourself you can just gently pick out those um, indentations and it looks like some horrible ancient language.
0: Yeah definitely Um, the more I'm looking at them the more I'm really studying them now I think the ones that are really putting me off are the ones holding two small blades the ones holding the larger blades I can imagine a dwarf wielding a big two-handed I mean that's some kind of sword of some description a big two-handed blade i I can imagine a a dwarf wielding that but a dwarf fighting with 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 two knives i i associate that more with with creatures that move faster you know something like an elf or maybe a very well-trained human or maybe like a slaneshi cultist or something like that something or maybe even like a skaven or something something that
2: can move very gracefully
0: or at least very quickly and
2: sneaky gets you're looking at yeah. a sneaky git on the the far right hand side of this regiment because you're looking at a fellow with two knives and that you're right it is a it is not a dwarven thing but for so so i would call these weapons um nodachi or no dakai as i've heard some people pronounce them wrongly which is a type of like massive two-handed samurai sword um and i think Many of the miniatures that we see displayed here would make great champions at the front rank of a regiment of generic big hat axemen. Hell yes, um, absolutely. It's just that they've they've made a regiment of champions.
3: <laughs> it does look like that, and it whoever positioned this rank of ten dudes uh, for their promotional use was that's probably the only way you could arrange those 10 those 10 miniatures in a in a group of five by two that's the way it looks and you kind of brought that up already and and interesting you mentioned the skaven on that guy uh wielding two weapons those look like clan eshin weapons just straight straight taken from an eshin assassin just missing a tail with a third one
2: but that's exactly what oxy's saying is that they have they've gone to the far east to to emphasize this though and i hope that um we will move back to talk about the terrain and the scenery other than this unit lost kingdom have rolled the furthest into the mesopotamian aesthetic and i i agree with oxy i think that this unit is not particularly mesopotamian and that is a bit jarring
3: yeah totally totally agree
2: yeah, I'm with you,
0: definitely. And, and and I don't want to sound like um like I'm slagging this unit off too much because they are they are individually beautiful sculpts, as I think we've said, they are really good. Lost Kingdom, they don't muck about, they know what they're doing, they they make they make art, they make beautiful stuff. And if it wasn't for the fact that our other miniatures were of such a high quality, we probably wouldn't be picking this part apart mm-hmm. as much as what we are. But I do think the conclusion to this really is is what a great collection of champions to put in front of my normal units as a a unit themselves they don't look like they fight like dwarves to me they really don't
2: i
3: guess that's a the price you pay with with a very strong theme and very high quality is that even just a slight divergence and we're all like whoa what's going on here what's going on here (laughs) definitely
1: well still um right so that's the infantry i picked and i hope you guys like these i love these uh And the next unit I wanted to discuss, um, mostly because they're next on my painting list, but also because they're beautiful. And I think we uh, scratched the surface on these in our previous podcast. It's their Bull Centaurs. These guys are absolutely gorgeous. Um, The the best thing I like about these is that, for for me at least, some of the old, uh, really old centaurs, they really look like the top of a Chaos Dwarf on a horse or bull body in this case. And with these guys, they just look like a hunk of muscle with axes and beards. Also, very beautiful helmets on these guys, on some of these guys.
0: Yeah, these are really, really nice. They are clearly, clearly inspired um, heavily inspired by the Forge World um, Chaos Dwarf Bull Centaur renders, aren't they? That they are... They've been done really, really well to the point where I'm sure, depending on how you scaled them when you print, you could stick some of these next to some of those Forge World models and make a full unit, which is just as well because Forge World never released a full unit, did they? But um, <laughs> the masks as well are a really lovely touch. They really are. They're almost like um, like gladiator masks and stuff. Some of those, mm-hmm. aren't they? Yeah, and I like the fact. This is another thing with 3D printing that just gives you absolute freedom. Because the idea of what a bull centaur is has changed quite a lot over the lifetime of Chaos Dwarfs. If I was playing, I don't know, sixth edition Warhammer with my Ravening Hordes list, I'd need a unit of Chaos Dwarf centaurs that, that fit on cavalry bases, wouldn't I? I could scale these, I could make it happen. If I'm playing um, eighth edition using my Forge World list, I'm going to need. Uh, ball centaurs that are absolutely massive for their stat line to make sense and for the base they need to be on i could scale it and i could make it happen with these it's the beauty of 3d printing is. it
1: it is it is well they fit nicely on a what is it uh 50 by 75 millimeter base but then again that's a really really big base so well if they wouldn't fit on that then it would would be another issue
0: no that's a really it's a lovely paint job you've done there as well mate i love uh i love the, the dodgy eye he's got where he's got like a scar down the eye and it's all white and stuff that's really cool nice nice touch there mate
1: yeah there's also some scars on his body well on the bull body um i just i, I couldn't wait painting the this guy uh, but I, I mostly shared it so you can see the the base size to the model size because this one is printed well they're all printed at one hundred percent. Um. As I've learned the hard way, (laughs) Lost Kingdom models are slightly bigger than what they should be for 8th edition. Uh, So, if I would print these again, I might print them a bit smaller. But on the other hand, you know, they are, in in the stories and in the fluff, they're also pretty big. So, maybe it's not a big issue. It's probably not a big issue. But they are, they, they look huge in real life. Interesting. I, I do think that the size thing is,
2: is forge world's fault forge world's fault because they decided to make bull centaurs massive, which culminated in Shartor the executioner who is literally gigantic. Um, but these are, I, I completely agree with Oxy. These are, if you like bull centaur renders, you will love bull centaur renders wearing chaos warrior helms. Um, because, that's what these are, and they've executed on that concept flawlessly, which is good because I think the thing that you guys didn't mention earlier is that the bull central render um, sculpts that they were all monopose as well, and there were only about three of them, mm-hmm. in the tour room. and and they are very monopose in that they are not really practically able to be assembled any other way, um, and that means to give the unit variety. These, what, six, are a fantastic answer to that problem.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the the Forgeable models now. Well, I don't have a scale comparison, but they don't—they look quite similar, to be honest. Maybe even a bit more buff, <laughs> the Forgeable ones. I wouldn't be surprised.
2: I, I have a distinct feeling that these were designed for exactly that purpose. I think mm. they looked at the Bull Centaur render and they said, yes. I want to do that and then they went out and they did exactly that
1: the thing is you know lost kingdom has pretty much a full chaos dwarf range so they probably decided on 30 millimeter scale uh, for everything because you know you can rescale pretty easily yeah. which i just <laughs> kind of forgot to do <laughs> uh, which is why i have a complete unit of blunderbusses that i can't fit on bases which still hurts um but yeah i mean they they look well on a on, on the basis they are on they look nice and and i don't feel that they are too big um and i think they would fit nicely with the uh, size wise with the forge world models
3: yeah to, to Chitz's point as well uh this was again rewinding to when i was getting into chaos dwarfs they had at minimum a command group option as 3 you could buy those direct from Lost Kingdom there was the standard bearer which I'm not seeing here and by the way Michael so I'm not sure if you have those nope. those sculpts as well but there was a banner bearer a musician and a champion who might be the champion here but it might be a slightly different sculpt but they offered that which presenting that if you had already had the forge world uh the forge world models then you could buy the command set so there might there might might be some good truth to them when they originally started selling these Chaos dwarf models say hey this is something you could buy and augment that unit that you bought from Forge World.
0: Ain't it funny how the tables are turned? This company's starting off as a way to supplement your Forge World army. <laughs> now it is
1: the army. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty true. They are, well, for me, at least, at least the gold standard when you want to print an entire Chaos Dwarf army. I mean, they have pretty much everything that you need. At least for the Tom book. Uh, but I, I believe the range is mostly directed at uh, either Ninth Age or Warhammer Armies project. I'm not sure, which also might influence scale. I have no idea what the scale of those armies is.
0: I think Ninth Age just matches Warhammer, doesn't it? It is, it is all Warhammer players essentially, isn't it? The the, uh, the the refugees
2: from Eighth Edition, isn't it? Really, it's, it's intended to carry forward all of the miniatures you had in Eight. So it only really changes um, mechanics. So
1: it's probably more yeah. thirty millimeter, thirty millimeter scale
2: with scale creep. Yeah, I mean it's
0: advertised, isn't it? Warhammer's is, you know twenty eight heroic. Heroic means plus two millimeters. Uh, I think
1: something like that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> plus two millimeters and big fat hands and head. And yeah. <laughs> um, um, the one thing that Lost Kingdom do not do is hobgoblins. Um, although we're not moving on to them yet, I do think that's noteworthy um, for the vast greenskin conspiracy. Um, they they have very much rolled with Asgore, um, which I think is a, a fine thing to do, and they've executed on it really, really well.
1: Hmm. I don't know what their tactic is in, in regards to that. I, I do think they just went for, uh, well, as you said, Asgore and nothing else. Uh, maybe in the future we'll see some nice hobgoblins. But then on the other hand, you know, and we're going to get into this later on, but maybe not specifically hobgoblins, but goblins in... A hobgobliny fashion um, that fit with these guys. It shouldn't be too hard to find models for this, uh, at least three D models. Um, Definitely. But I'll not go into that too much because, well, I pretty uh, pretty much think that Chiscore has a <laughs> elaborate speech on this. <laughs> um, Chis, how do
0: these guys for you kind of? Um stack up against the the historical influences you're far better read than me in 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 all that sort of thing um where for me uh, and you you might be able to school me here a touch i see these more like chaos warriors than i do anything kind of particularly near eastern you know um Apart from the fact they are obviously giant bulls. I mean, that's, you, know, you can't get away with that. But um, in terms of their armour and their arms and stuff, they seem to be much more down the Chaos Warrior route. What, what do you make of that, pal?
2: Yeah, I think that's explicit. And I think there's two reasons for that, right? One is that there isn't actually a symbol for Hachette other than bull stuff of all different types. And the second, and I think the thing you're picking up on is that they use eight pointed stars excessively in the lost kingdom aesthetic, which implies that the, um, these Magma are chaos undivided, um, which is fine. You know, it's, it's not like they've, they've done any harm to the concept and there's tons of Middle East and, and, and Near East and stuff, um, elsewhere in the range, but they, The other thing that I think you're picking up on is that they have got non or barely braided beards on these guys, right? So the bull centaurs that you're seeing here are very much more Chaos Warrior-esque, partly because of the helmets, partly because of the weapons, which are very kind of classic 90s, 2000s Chaos Warrior. Um, And then partly because they've got giant eight-pointed stars all over them and not much else. Um, which I think is is part of, it's one of the kind of memes and influences that led me to take the bull centaurs off and give them their own society and among the wicked darwi right? Because what you're dealing with here is something where the hasher part is just the fact that they've got massive horns. And one of the most distinctive things about these bull centaurs is that they have got these sharp pointed cattle horns that are a very bull centaur render thing. You don't see any of that on the classic um, uh, big hat range, um, whether it's the bull centaurs or actually the the chaos dwarves themselves. That's a, a more modern addition.
0: Do you think the the eight pointed star thing might be um, kind of this is out of universe? Obviously, the fact that that's a, a symbol that's not really copyrightable is it the eight pointed star that's been around for an awful long time? Whereas the symbol of Hashir is very much a games workshop creation so that if a company starts plastering the symbol of hashet on things they can get themselves into a bit of trouble if a company goes around sticking
2: eight-pointed star on things it's just a star do you know what i mean all right you've 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 flushed me out there is a, <laughs> there is an ancient sumerian symbol called the star of ishtar which is an eight-pointed star however you all know that the chaos eight pointed star has its roots in Michael Moorcock and his literature in the seventies, which influenced the original Warhammer. Um, and the star of Ishtar does not look, if you guys Google star of Ishtar now, you'll see it does not look much like the eight pointed star of chaos undivided, but it does look like, um, some of the other iconography that appears in the much more explicitly near Eastern, um, miniatures you know the statues um the the ishtar gates um and maybe we could go on to talk a little bit about the terrain and and statuary now michael if if you want
1: uh sure i had one more uh, model to share but we can make a sidestep to terrain
3: Yeah. So i just sent you all a picture of of one of the the statues of There's a set of three statues. One, I believe, was released as the promo item uh, for free on Thingiverse, uh, if anybody's interested in that. Um, But the blacksmith one has, and actually they probably all do, uh, their belt buckle as something that it's in the center of an eight-pointed star, but it does look a little bit closer to what we'd canonically think of as a cast dwarf symbol of Hashut, but it's not quite there, so that to oxy's point earlier but um, i haven't looked thoroughly enough to see how often that they use that symbol in their terrain but uh but it does give you a little bit more of a classic chaos dwarf symbol on it um i am seeing it in other places scrolling through the kickstarter
1: it's also on their regular uh warriors if you look at the first models i shared the first pictures uh on some of their helmets the same symbol is well you can find the same symbol on it
0: Oh, yeah, I can see it. It's, 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 it's barely perceptible. It's inside of a star and it's like a little V sort of shape, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think what you have there is something that couldn't be proven in courts to be a symbol of Hashet.
2: Yeah, I, I, look, the, the, the thing about Lost Kingdom is they are a, a sueable entity, right? They're an above board business. They're not some dude working in his bedroom on Thingiverse, for the love of it, slash trying to get a job. Um, And nor are they, um, you know, a big miniatures company that are selling their own distinctive product like Mantic. Um, And as a result, I do think they walk that line very carefully. Um, If you don't know the hash it symbol, then it's the symbol of our forum. Um, So if you go on uh, discourse.chaosdwarfs.com, you'll see it. Um, And if you look very closely at some of the material, you'll see a very close to but not the same as version appears consistently on Lost Kingdom. Um, And it's probably the only thing that Lost Kingdom does where you feel like they're pulling the punch a little Mm. bit.
1: Well, when I first saw it, I felt it was a nice touch because it, it allows for you to feel a bit more connected to um, well, the Warhammer ranges, Games Workshop ranges, yet still not be sued, uh, which is nice. And also still be distinctively Lost Kingdom, which is also nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at some of those uh, bits of scenery you've sent through now as well. That's, yeah, that's not the haschet symbol, but it is if you squint, isn't it? That's lovely, though. That's really nice as well. That's so historically inspired with that kind of um very uh like ancient side profile style sculpting of those creatures there's kind of a I'm not sure you'd call those griffins or manticles or lamasus or something really really beautiful image
1: you see the the castle wall yeah okay, wow so if you look at, look at if you look at the um r- well you know the basin where the lava flow falls into yeah that's just under uh, the size of my 70 70- well, that's under the size of the dwarfs that are on the train, on the Dreadquake uh, mortar. So if I put one of those dwarfs next to it, I think his head would just stick out just above the basin where the lava would end it up in.
2: I mean, that's absolutely crazy. I can
1: measure it if you want, but I'd guess 40 centimeters. Mm, yeah.
2: It is absolutely stunning and clearly the result of a huge amount of work by the Lost Kingdom designer or design team, I'm I'm afraid I don't know them personally, Um, in researching actual Babylonian murals and architecture and history. 100%. One of the most arresting things about the range is that these miniatures clearly live in a fully realised set of terrain. Mm. Which has, you know, there are forges, there are bizarre structures, there are stairways and there is a floating magical obelisk. (laughs) There is a gate of skulls and it is all picked out with exactly the same care and attention that's gone into the miniatures, which is fascinating. It is by far the best realised ancient Mesopotamian slash Sumerian um work that has been seen in miniatures design the only thing that compares to it is titan forges use of cuneiform um, and they only did that on one of their miniatures
0: yeah i think though, if you check the chat reaver has just posted uh some cuneiform tablets mate on a piece of on a piece of scenery
2: yeah he's the thing the thing that's so great about what they've done is that if you go to like the british museum or, or somewhere where they've got lots of ancient sumerian statuary you'll see that the a lot of the designs here, the way that they've drawn the actual Lamassus, which have, you know, the face of a man, and the way they've drawn actual Tauruses, is taken directly from that artistic style. So it's got this real-world aesthetic to it that then gives it a tremendous amount of power um, because you're looking at something that real humans made thousands of years ago, but then there's extra skulls and magma spouts. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's something I love. I mean, um, we, we've spoken a little bit about it um, before. I'm, I'm, I'm by no means an, an Age of Sigma hater. No means an Age of Sigma hater. I do like an awful lot of stuff that comes out of Age of Sigma, but they've definitely moved away from those real world inspired cultures. And, you know, I suppose growing up with Tolkien and stuff, I, I love fantasy factions that you can go, oh, look, they're Celts with a twist oh look they're byzantines with a twist and looking at these guys this is ancient babylonians with a twist i mean and and it grounds it it makes it feel a little bit more real a little bit more believable it's got it's got some kind of anchor in reality but then is allowed to shoot off in this kind of crazy fantastical direction from there and it just works beautifully
1: i agree they are well, it's, it's as shit said. The the fact that they just have so many support to their own armies, and I believe these guys are are making this stuff for how long? Do you know Reaver? Two years or something like that?
3: Has to have been at least that, because uh, I was still interested in them when they were in their uh, early phases, uh, and that was that was when I believe they were primarily uh, casting and selling the Lizardmen faction, but they had you know, a handful of kits available for the dwarves, like I said, perpetually out of stock. Um, that's why I don't have any. But um, that had to have been around the time I started on the forum, which I guess I could go back and look, but that's been at least three years, I would think.
1: Well, even if you give them five years, you know, they also have a complete, equally supported lizardman uh, faction. They have a uh, growing, not as big, but still pretty sizable Tomb King faction, which I also have because I appear to be a, lizard, um, a Lost Kingdom nerd. Uh, I just realised I have pretty much everything they sold. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but you know what you've got there, Michael. You might be more of an ancient history nerd because you, you've got you've got the Mesopotamian sorted. You've got your your ancient Mesoamerican sorted. Now you're getting your ancient Egyptian sorted. All of those factions you've mentioned are those kinds of factions that have a very real root in an in, an, in a real world ancient civilization. And maybe that's what Lost Kingdoms. Excels at best, taking those civilizations and turning them into something fantastical.
1: Well, possibly uh, they are. Um, I forgot which one, but they are now going to uh, release another faction soon. Um, I think they went for. They always do they Do it. Do a poll on their Patreon for which faction they'll do next, and I believe the Wood Elves won. Unfortunately, they also had uh, ogres, and I really, really hoped ogres because that's uh well that's the one plus or something army that i might eventually buy in the future so well there's hope you know maybe when they released a few uh wood elves they might still go for ogres
0: yeah i'll be uh, to be fair i'd be more interested in what they could do with ogres especially where ogres you think about the ogre kingdoms having that kind of mongolian sort of thing going on Mm -hmm. i would be i would have been very interested in how they would have built upon that um Wood Elves, though, yeah, it seems, I don't know, but they, they might surprise me. It just seems a strange choice for what what, what Lost Kingdom seems to be really good at. Mm. But who knows? They might blow us away. They might do something brilliant with it. They probably will.
1: Well, I think they just made a selection of all the armies that are still supported in whatever game system they're aiming for that they still haven't produced miniatures for and asked their community to choose which one they want, which is not a stupid thing to do if you can deliver the quality you are already making
3: i believe they also did do uh the kingdom of mercia and as a bretonian equivalent uh it was a smaller run i don't know how much that's emerged on their patreon or not since i don't follow that yeah it's
2: it's bretonia but massive yeah
0: i saw that with like big buildings on wheels and crazy stuff like that wasn't it
2: It's like siege towers and they've just kind of amped up to 11, all of the stuff. But one of the most important things they've done is they've like, it's a Pegasus, but it's the size of a bus. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, they've given them a kind of 14th century bombard cannon rather than a trebuchet, which is a bit... um, Moving in their own direction, but but I do think you're absolutely right, Oxy. I think what you're looking at here, and I would love to speak to the guys behind this group, but unfortunately they haven't gotten back to us when we've reached out to them. Um, this is clearly people who do huge amounts of artistic and visual research into real human cultures and bring that work into their 3d designs as a as a starting point almost and then embellish it from there with all of the fantastical aspects and i think that is something really special and we're very lucky that chaos dwarfs occupies that sweet spot of an underserved idea with uh, a consistent market um and some really great creative inspiration
3: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna come out and surprise myself here but Looking at that Bretonian Kickstarter, uh, seeing what they did with the the Green Knight or the Green Knight equivalent gives me some hope that they could carry some interesting aesthetics into the Wood Elves.
0: I think um, an interesting thing as well, which maybe we could discuss, is is just the nature of this business and what it kind of says about the the landscape of, of the miniature industry as a whole, because this is a company who began by making miniatures. You know, They were clearly 3D designing, as many miniature companies are, but their bread and butter was getting miniatures cast and getting those out to customers. And as Reva mentioned earlier, a lot of the time, they were out of stock because this was a high demand product. And I mean, like I say, I don't know these guys, but I imagine compared to a behemoth like Games Workshop, this would be a very small sort of uh, setup to try to get those physical products out. But when you start dealing with STLs, when you start dealing with 3D files, you can get those out to people. And there are no overheads to that. It's just data. Once you have paid your sculptors, you know, once you've put the money into the research, the money into the creation of the thing, you can just start giving this stuff out for for X amount of money. And and, and these 3D printing Patreons like these guys are running and so many other companies are running now, they're doing really, really well because companies can now afford to deliver... um, Dozens, scores of miniatures each month to their customers um, in ways that just were not physically possible to do. If you go back, you know, 10 years, if you were trying to support a new miniature company, if they wanted to get miniatures out to you, they would have to do the research do the design sculpt for miniature you know probably in green stuff maybe in 3d if they were quite forward thinking sort of company but either way they would then have to go through all of the costs of casting up and uh, you know tooling up and casting up and getting runs of these miniatures made and that comes with risk doesn't it what if i make too many and people don't buy them then then I'm, i'm absolutely screwed or what if i don't make enough and demand is higher than what i can deliver and then I look unprofessional, like I can't get the products out to the customers and people get turned away. But now in this new age, companies can, can reach people with these massive, massive ranges because they only have to do half the process that they used to have to do. At a point you've done research, sculpting, and you've now got your file, you're now done. The customer can now consume that product immediately. It's awesome, isn't it?
1: I mean, you know, if you buy uh, any unit from Games Workshop, at gamesworkshop.com, not from a local shop, you know, from the original website. As a non-UK person, it takes about, well, two weeks or something for it to get here, if you're lucky. Um, These days, it would probably double the cost of the unit. Um, While with a, a company like this, you know, you buy the models, you get them a few seconds later, depending on your download speed, and you start printing half an hour later. Well, currently, probably... 20 seconds later, because they're all pre-supported. Um, it's, it's just another game. It's it's uncomparable to physical models for me. And also, you know, you pay for a set of digital files, and you can print how many you want of each specific model of a unit. If there's one or two you like a bit more, then you just print a bit more of those, and your units can look completely different than when you have uh, a set of specific models in a box that you have to deal with
0: and you can never get screwed over by that thing of the codex says it's really good if i have two plasma guns in this unit Mm. but a box only comes with one plasma guns now i've got to buy two boxes (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely been a thing in the past hasn't it was with 3d printing oh great i'll print two dudes with plasma guns you know yeah exactly
1: so i kept the weirdest and coolest and most controversial model Lost maybe Reaver can guess one which one, but I mean it's it's the Magma Tower from the February release. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which I suppose is Magma cannon proxy. I mean, it's just beautiful. It's cool. It's terrifying. And it's so over the top that I don't know if I'd use it, but it looks absolutely horrifying. Um I mean, it's it's a, it's a huge monster. Lava flowing out of his beak. He has two giant machine guns on his side. Whatever the thing is on his back, and there's like a dwarf controlling it all. I mean, can you get more evil?
0: Bonkers, isn't it? I mean, I can't quite give an opinion on it yet, because I'm still <laughs> just trying to take it. <laughs> exactly.
1: I sent a picture of this to my gaming buddy, and he was like, is that a 40k chaos dwarf? I was like, nope and he was like huh
0: yeah (laughs) it does it does flirt with the technology of a science fiction model doesn't it it definitely is it's it's approaching it i'm not sure if it crosses the line that lines a that line's a very vague one isn't it reaver you walk that line brilliantly you never you never looks you never look sci-fi with your dwarfs it always looks steampunk but it's, it's a fine line to walk along isn't it
3: it it is, and this one is. And I don't know where which side it falls. I could very easily see myself running this as a chaos squats dreadnought. Just mm. no changes. Mm. But there it is. Um, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I I I think I'm not sure if it came along in the same release, Michael. But it one one of those uh, months included the I'd say like the fireborn equivalent because I haven't seen a true fireborn from them, but the more like magma golems that you could conceivably use in you know any different game as a fireborn equivalent Um, but this one is is a step above that for sure
1: you know for me what makes this model look a bit too 40k-ish it's the the giant well i call the machine guns but i suppose they're magma cannon stuff they look a bit too machine gunny if they were more like the the magma cannon barrel, or something like that. I think it would be much, much more fantasy steampunk-like. That being said, with yeah. the correct paint job, I'm pretty sure this would not look out of place in my army.
3: Oh, I think you could certainly make it fit in. Uh, for me, and I think I'm now digesting it. Now that I'm looking at the other picture, for me, um, it's the feed tubes that are uh, blowing it into the 40k mm. realm for me. Uh, if those were like direct copper piping with fitting or, you know, any kind of material, whatever, any, you know, just hard nineties piping with, uh, you know, fittings and valves and stuff. I, Mm. I think it might be very different. Look, um, for me, those, those speak, uh, like space Marine, or, or if you've seen a lot of the chaos space Marine releases in the last couple of years, especially.
2: Yeah. It's um, definitely dark mechanicus, isn't it?
3: Yep. But I'd be interested to see what it would look like if you, if you replace some of those kind of bendy, like flex tubes with something a little bit more hard line. Well, the
1: positive thing is that those tubes are separate pieces. <laughs> so should be easy to replace. But looking at, them, looking at them in detail, and I'll see if I can make a screenshot of those. I know. There we go. I hope this works. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I used to work at a, a pipe fabrication plant that did pipe bending as a specialty and uh this blows it right into 40k for me even (laughs) seeing the picture (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but that's coming from uh that's coming from a fabrication standpoint not necessarily the yeah it would be
1: hard to fabricate that with a hammer and an anvil greet. and i can speak on experience (laughs) okay
2: So I think that this is the one of the only things that is not GW influenced in the range. And I think this is actually mantic influenced for two reasons. First of all, although we think of magma and lava and volcanoes as being fundamental to the chaos dwarf aesthetic, they're actually not featured in the 90s range at all in any way um and the magma cannon doesn't have any actual magma this is exactly what i was about to go on to say oxy oxy's just posted in the chat the hot tape that i was about to give which is that this is the abyssal dwarf hellfane from mantic but with guns on the side um, for two reasons. One is that Mantic gave us um, magma golems as a concept and kind of pushed that. And Lost Kingdom loved that because they've got these big dripping kind of um, magma motifs on multiple monsters. Um, and magma's not featured on the Forge World uh, range either, outside of the name of the magma cannon, right? So there's no lava um, falling from the Kadai, for instance, the GW Kadai. Um, And this has got that same kind of four legged aesthetic to it. And I think that's really interesting because we don't spend very much time on the forum thinking or talking about Mantic for a couple of different reasons um, that I won't bother going into now. But in reality, this is something that I think their take on the Abyssal Dwarfs has given us more license and it's inspired people creatively to work with rock and to have rock and solidified and part molten rock be one of the motifs of the chaos dwarfs which i think has given us this very cool miniature agreed
1: well at least we agree it's very cool (laughs) well that's about everything i wanted to discuss with you guys today um i could do a lot more but (laughs) we'd still be here tomorrow so Let's not go that far. <laughs>
0: well, it's such a big range, isn't it, Michael? It's a massive it range. And, and listeners, we, we do encourage you to go and check out uh, Lost Kingdom Miniatures because, you know, we have been singing their praises for this podcast. We've had, we've had a couple of constructive criticisms on one or two things, but that's because we've purposefully picked out one or two things that we think are a little bit niche or a little bit strange within their um, within their range. But generally speaking, they are well, well worth uh checking out especially in a post forge world world of looking for chaos dwarf miniatures these guys are probably you know your your top tier right now in terms of looking for modern chaos dwarf sculpts yeah all right straight from the cutting edge of of modern 3d designed chaos dwarfs let's drag ourselves back about 20 30 years to the dark and dismal days of the 1990s And let's talk a little bit about Hobgoblins, because Hobgoblins are, for any fan of the Big Hat era of Chaos Dwarfs, an absolutely integral part of a Chaos Dwarf army. But they're an interesting thing, because to some, Hobgoblins are absolutely a part of a Chaos Dwarf army, and they they must be included. To others, you can quite happily make Chaos Dwarf armies with no Hobgoblins involved whatsoever. They're kind of separate entities. And... To an even smaller section of the audience, you know, some people do make entire Hobgoblin armies, it is, it is definitely a thing, but we're going to talk a little bit today about the Hobgoblins, what they were, what they are, how to get hold of them these days and uh, how much that's going to cost you, and also a little bit about what you can do if you want to get some Hobgoblin slaves into your uh, into your Cows Dwarf army. Um, Chits, I think you had some some words to start us off on this topic, didn't you?
2: yeah let's um let me let me just start with a game with you guys um if you were going to build you know some infantry chaff what would you think would be your target price per miniature for a chaff regiment of um strength three toughness three um low weapon skill guys what would you be aiming to pay per man for a regiment like that
0: really hard question um i I tend to buy second hand and I tend to buy third party. So I tend to go for cheap. Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at filling out a 30 man unit of these things, I like to spend about 30 quid. A pound a model would be a really nice way of building up some cheap, cheap models.
2: Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think, Michael Reaver?
1: Well, I suppose if, if 3d printing would be out of the question, I would be on the same corner as, as Oxymandias. I would not spend much more than a pound, maybe two pounds a model, if they are well, they'd have to be stunning to, to go for for the two pound range price range. Now, talking about 3D printing, real quick, not a whole lot, not a whole lot at all,
2: right? Exactly, and, and I think that's really important. Um, Reva, just for your cultural benefit, I'm going to translate some of these prices. Um, so <laughs> on eBay right now, a single hobgoblin infantryman will cost you 15 pounds sterling. Um, That is about $21 per man. That is not a champion, not a character, not a command section. That'll all cost you more. That's just one filler infantryman will cost you that. And that's, I'm going to try and be as polite as I can about this because we don't say certain words on Chaos Dwarf Online affiliated. That is for an unboxed miniature whose pedigree is unproven. (laughs) That is for a picture of a miniature on somebody's table with no base provided, and maybe a weird looking foot. Now, if you wanted to buy, if you wanted to buy a Hobgoblin new in box, if you wanted to buy a blister of, and this is a real listing that is really active now on eBay, say a blister of four original 1993 Hobgoblin archers, would cost you 120 pounds starting
3: yeah that's not (laughs) tenable for me uh i i would fall uh, i mean obviously us dollars being different but i i do fall around the one to one and a half us dollar range for what i would see as a
2: unit that probably is going to need to grow to at least 40. Yeah, so if you wanted there's four of these archers in a blister, if you wanted to field a regiment of 20 hobgoblin archers, no command section, that'd be 825 bucks.
1: I can print about four armies for that. Maybe maybe five. You could buy two <laughs> 3D
2: printers <laughs> and resin no. for 825
1: years. Seriously. And and you could buy a printer and you could buy maybe five-six liters of resin. And you could print two or three armies with that price range.
0: Realistically, with that price range, I could pay for
2: a, a modest-sized army and probably pay for somebody to paint it. That's the ugliest part, I think, is that what you're paying for is fine. It's virgin 90s metal, right? But let's, let me just step back a bit and talk to you guys a bit about why the market reached this situation. And, and there's one factor that I won't be referencing right and I think we all know what I'm talking about suffice to say that factor is not particularly active in this market instead this market is is largely influenced by two things first of all there are not very many types of hobgoblin from the original 93 range there are actually five units and then a handful of hero sculpts you've got hobgoblins with axes hobgoblins with bows hobgoblin wolf riders with axes and hobgoblin wolf riders with bows. And then the sneaky gits who've got two knives each. And you're looking at about seven infantry sculpts per weapon type, um, three or four wolf rider sculpts and three sneaky get sculpts. You then got a big boss on a wolf, a big boss on foot, two bosses, standard bearers, musicians, right? There's a horn blower and a drummer and then the last thing you've got is the bolt thrower, and they're all wearing this Scythian peaked hat because of the historical influence um, and the fact that just like the Mesopotamians, the Scythians are like a group of people where you can steal their iconography, but they've all died out. So you're not actually going to offend anyone by creating a, a horrifying racial caricature. We'll come <laughs> to that. Um, and and what you get for these ninety-three miniatures that does not affect the big hats in the same way for whom you can get. Nine pounds, eight, ten pounds per sculpt for an infantryman. Is a lot of chaos dwarf players, as Oxy was saying, do not view hobgoblins as essential to the aesthetic. Because they're visually distinctive from your chaos dwarfs, right? They're not in armor, they're always in cloth. They're not wielding chaos dwarf embellished weapons, they're wielding primitive um or simplistic weapons. Um And they never really caught on with green skin players either because they're not supposed to be takeable in a green skin army. So you had a bunch of 90s Chaos Dwarf buyers who were into Chaos Dwarfs. But really, the Hobgoblins were an optional extra on the side that was only buyable in metal. Whereas if you needed green skin chaff for your army list, you would just get the plastic monopose goblins or you'd get the plastic monopose orcs. Or even you were allowed one regiment of black orcs in your army. And for that reason, the hobgoblins fell between the cracks of the hobby, right? They were an idea on their own, but they couldn't stand on their own two feet as a distinctive army. There is a fan army book out there, but it's not particularly well edited and there haven't been many different versions like there have been for Chaos Dwarfs. As a result, they didn't sell very well, so they didn't cast very many of them. Most of the Hobgoblin minis came out relatively um, late in the life cycle because obviously they weren't the first priority if you're making a Chaos Dwarf army for the sculptors, let alone for the buyers. And as a result, you have this kind of very, very obsessive collector market chasing these miniatures and nobody else because they are... Quite ugly, which is a good thing in my opinion, but they are, you know, they're not inherent to the green skin aesthetic. Most of their unit types can be bought for cheaper, for better sculpts of plastic goblins with more variety and more posability. Um, and you can still buy boxes of those on eBay for, you know, 40, 50 pounds for a regiment of 20. Um, and that leaves us with the the mass inflationary market instead. Um, and so I thought it would be cool today if we could talk about how to make Hobgoblins that fit that aesthetic or have their own distinctive aesthetic um, that update the concept without breaking the bank in the way that collectors are forced to do. Um, but I'm terrible at sculpting. I'm terrible at conversions. So um, I thought it would be best if I handed over this part of that conversation to you guys.
0: Well, I uh I've created um, Hobgoblins for my Age of Sigmar army. Um, The fact that Chaos Dwarfs only hardly exist in Age of Sigmar and Hobgoblins probably don't exist in Age of Sigmar. It's it's neither here nor there. I don't make my Age of Sigmar army to play Age of Sigmar at the end of the day. I'll make it just to make it. But um, the route that I went down in in creating Hobgoblins was with a company called EM4 Miniatures, which you, you may or may not have heard of. So EM4 Miniatures is a, is an interesting little company. They um, they sell a couple of boxed games. They sell some lead miniatures and they sell some pre-painted miniatures and dice and bits and bobs out. Like Their website is old school. Like when you go onto the website, you do feel like you might have stepped back 20 years in some kind of strange realm gate. But one thing they have, which I'd seen plastered all over the internet on forums and stuff was They have a set of Orcs and a set of Dwarfs in plastic um, 25mm scale, not 28mm scale, for absolutely dirt cheap. And when I say dirt cheap, I mean these come in bags of 50, and they cost in the area of about 20 pence per miniature. They are ridiculously, ridiculously cheap. And the orcs, being orcs at a 25mm scale, kind of makes them the same size and stature of a hobgoblin at 28mm scale. (laughs) Now, these models do require quite a bit of love in order to turn into something that you're happy to put onto the battlefield. Now, I went in on a a big bag of the orcs. The orcs come with bows, with spears, and with swords. and a mate of mine went in on the dwarfs, and he ended up doing some lovely conversions with his dwarfs and turning them into a, the start of a Warhammer army. <laughs> in fact, slight side story. He said, uh, this is brilliant. I can make a whole Warhammer army for 20 quid. <laughs> And so then he did the whole Warhammer army for 20 quid and then jumped on eBay and started getting all the old lead ones for God knows how much because he absolutely had to have them. And I think the whole project cost him quite a bit more than 20 pounds in the end. <laughs> but it's the lie we tell ourselves at the exactly. start, isn't it? That's what's important with these projects. <laughs>
2: you know, the, lie, the lie I told myself was opening an eBay store and selling my old miniatures was going to allow me to recoup <laughs> the money that I'd spent. And while I have made some of it back, every penny of that has been spent on these fucking hobgoblins.
0: Oh, that's it! PayPal money isn't real money. We know this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so these these orc models that I got hold of, I've only actually, I've, I've still got the rest of them still um, ready to be done at some point. I've only actually done some work on the uh, on the bowman, and I'll I'll post these images up on the link that we're going to add to this podcast today, so people can follow along as well. They come on what would be best described as like a hero quest base. It's not quite square, it's more rectilinear and it's got kind of curved edges to it. And it's an integral base that's stuck to the model's feet. Um, These models have mold lines, like they have mold lines for days. These mold lines are thick. You have to really go to town with these bad boys. But once you've removed the mold lines, you do start getting something that approaches a miniature that's usable. Now, I was quite fortunate with my Age of Sigmar army that their basing scheme is these dudes are standing on rocks on top of lava. So when it came to removing them from their integral bases, for me, it was more of a case of taking a pair of clippers to these integral bases and and cutting chunks out of them so that they looked like kind of cracked rocks and then just sticking that on top of a circle base, making it look like the rock on top of the lava sort of thing. My friend who um, did the Dwarfs for his army, he had to go to town with actually carving these models one by one off of their bases so they could be put onto um, Warhammer Square bases. And um, it wasn't a quick job. It wasn't a quick job at all. Yours look
1: nice, though. That's that's really clever how you fixed that.
0: Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Um, it wasn't actually that hard a job at all. But it just. It just. He did, did seem to be quite effective. It was just coming at it with a pair of pliers from lots of different angles, cutting chunks off of it. Now, this plastic isn't as soft as modern day games workshop plastic. This is that kind of plastic that's very, very brittle and will shatter. (laughs) So um, if I was to do this again, I would have been wearing goggles or something like that because bits of base were flying at my face as I was doing this that day. Now, as far as um, converting these orcs into, into hobgoblins, right? If you aren't fussed about that kind of classic hobgoblin look, you could use these orcs straight out of the box. I mean, if you look at the original Hobgoblins from old, old Warhammer, 1980s Warhammer, they are much more like kind of um, half orcs or uruk or something like that by, by our, our standards today. And you could probably use those models as is. They had the kind of slightly uh, pig-like nose and the tusked teeth and a kind of flat face. but you kind of, kind of, kind of associate with orcs, but they, they could be Hobgoblins. But I, I quite wanted them to look like Kind of hobgoblins with pointy noses, big ears, and pointy hats, that sort of thing. So I did a little bit of a green stuff job on them, and I, mean, I am by no stretch of the imagination um, an expert with green stuff. I think I've probably gone from beginner to intermediate with green stuff, but I'm very, very far off being what I would consider good with green stuff. I can I can't make a model from scratch really. I can I can add bits to models or I can adapt to models slightly. That's kind of where I'm at with this. And um, it was a case of making their ears and making their noses, and I slightly exaggerated their lips and chins as well to give a bit more of that kind of goblinoid sort of feature. Um, the easiest conversions to do was the was the hats because these archer models are wearing kind of like um like almost like a leather cap, like a cowl sort of thing. It was as simple as just making kind of big pointy blob on top of the hat and kind of smoothing it down. Um, you'll notice if you're looking at the pictures, I made one of them have a kind of uh, like a third helmet, kind of like a Mongolian style helmet with a little spike in the middle. And there's a reason why I only uh, did that on one of them because it took bloody ages. <laughs> and it was right on the edge of what I'm able to do. And then if you look at the next picture, that that was then painted up. So I painted them up to, to match the rest of my army. Um, I avoided using green on any of the green skins in this army simply because my colour scheme when I painted these dwarfs was already really, really set. And I felt like adding some bright green skin into the mix would kind of throw them out and make them stick out and not in a particularly good way. So I made their skin tones a more kind of like pallid, sort of greyish skin tone with bits of pinks and stuff in them. But I, I think I think in the end they've, they've ended up being. Um, I think they're an acceptable proxy.
2: I mean, what do you guys make of them?
1: I think they look terrific.
2: So yeah, from higher top Mount Hobgoblin, which I have installed myself upon, um, I think yours are absolutely excellent, and I think you've really taken advantage, Oxy, of the 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 Hobgoblin original aesthetic is all about cloth, and it's all about this this floppy Scythian peaked hat. And I think you've really rolled with the green stuff, which is good at making shapes like that. Um, yeah. I think it's a really inventive approach and I think it's really paid off because you've obviously done it for an absolute bargain. Oh yeah,
0: I mean, how many are there? There's about 10 hobgums I think I made in the end. It did take a lot of work, an awful lot of work. It wasn't as, as easy as getting a model out of the box and painting it. But I mean, the, the models represented there, how much did they cost me? Uh, that's probably about a pound or two pounds worth of models there, plus materials. I mean, that that unit of tens probably cost me less than five pounds when you take into account spray paint and paints and green stuff and all that kind of stuff. They were very, very cheap to produce. Um, it is quite telling, however, that I bought enough to make 50 hobgoblins. That was nearly a year and a half ago, and I still only have 10. So that goes to show you how much work went into them that I haven't kind of... Um, jumped at the chance of making any more just yet because uh it is a project it really is a project trying to get those from from the state that they arrive Uh, state might not be the right word state sounds a bit derogatory and i have taken a pee out of those em4 models a little bit but they are what they are you don't buy a model for 20 pence and expect forge world quality do you you buy a model for 20 pence and the fact you've got hero quest quality you've done okay there you
2: really (laughs) have So for the for the price that you've outlined, I've just been very quickly doing the maths for the price that you've outlined um, for your troops. And this is finished troops with the spray paint and the green stuff paid for. Right. You would be able to get 240 of those hobgoblins made for the price of that blister pack of four (laughs) archers. So you've made a profit of two hundred and thirty-six <laughs> goblins, which is how I will be judging uh, Michael and Reaver's proposals for how to convert hobgoblins. Um, right. Okay. Nice. Shall I? Nice. Shall I pass the baton to to Reva? Have you worked with green skins? Have you converted them? What do you think about the hobgoblin issue?
3: So I actually haven't. So I'm a, I'm a bit of an outsider here, but it's it's a topic that I've followed pretty uh, intently, I guess, with interest for quite some time because it's. I mean, yeah, you mentioned before that they're not directly within the Chaos or of Aesthetic, but they're also just something so fundamental that we see on the forum all the time. And uh, and there's been so many creative and, and inventive solutions people have come up with, including uh, Oxy's there above, which I, I think turned out great. Um, but there's just so many different ways people have approached it. and uh, And a lot of it has to do with with what you have in your collection or what you have access to easy and, and also uh, what time you're working on them as in what year is it. But um, cruising the old forum and I had I had a fun time kind of going back and and seeing what other folks had done and uh, and just kind of revisited some of the ideas that I'd seen flying across uh, over time. Uh, a really common use is, uh, is Skaven. And so there's several different ways uh, I've seen people do it. Um, I myself did a a unit of slaves, but I I used the clan rats essentially directly. So, and I wrote some lore about that and might be a controversial choice, but uh, a a ton of Skaven fell into my lap and I I wanted to paint them and had a couple of fun uh, pseudo steampunk ideas to go along with it. So I didn't go, uh, didn't go through the effort of converting those to hobgoblins, but uh, it's definitely something that's in, in the future for me eventually. But anyway, so the, the Skaven actually have a pretty decent amount of potential uh, in different models of the range. Uh, one that I, I believe I've seen Chubb use at times, and several other folks, has been uh, the Plague Monks, which are still available now. Um, and they, They're fairly clothed and uh, pretty much almost entirely covered by cloth. Um, it's sort of a ragged cloth look, so that kind of that leans well and also covers up a lot of the fur, so you're not necessarily... So worried about that, um, as that would be the main difference when you're talking about getting something from a scave to a Hobgoblin. But these don't have a whole lot of fur exposed. So that, that, that bodes well for that. Uh, their, their tail is fairly uh, separate and would be easy to cut off. Uh, and even if there is any um, kind of connection there, it's I think in the Plague Monk's case, is fairly easily remedied. Uh, but they tend to have a little bit more of the sneaky git style look to them they're kind of hunched over uh, they already come with a bunch of uh, dual wielding daggers so you can you can pretty easily lean into that um, and I believe if I'm not mistaken the last time I looked and, and oxy's gonna eat my lunch on on pricing relative to his to his excellent uh, crack oh. there but um if I were me uh, which I am and I were going about making a unit of sneaky gits, I would I would get the and start collecting box. Um, but that for me is very subject to the fact that I want like every single lever, like pulley wheel, like anything that's remotely mechanical and take it off of all the war machines that come with that. Um, and I could totally see myself repurposing most of that kit in, in a lot of ways. I've used tons of Skaven bits, uh, in and amongst a lot of the stuff that I've worked on. Um, Aside from the kind of wood structure of it it's it's very repurposable. Uh, but if i uh, I'll have to translate pricing here, but to my knowledge, one of those start collecting kits, I could probably get it. Hmm, I want to say like sixty five u s dollars something in that range.
2: ever I've done the mental math for you because if we discount the artillery pieces and we say that they are about half the cash value then a unit of 20 plague monks for 20 quid is a pound a man which is a nice round number because this the pestilence start collecting box is about 45 pounds in the uk so um yeah
3: that that sounds about right and and that gives you a little bit better value i think than if you just bought the plague monks kit separately but i could be wrong there
2: no, it it does, and and that's the joy of start collecting, and and why GW's pricing's moved in that direction. But you're still fundamentally talking about um having via that route about 120 uh, converted slaves over and above having four. <laughs> um, what would you do for head and or face in that situation?
3: Yeah, so I mean. I definitely think you'd have to go down some kind of grot and or um, now the, the gloom spike gets range has really has really taken off. And and I'm not fully aware of how all of those kits work. Um, there's certainly been uh, folks who've used more uh the 40k, I believe, grot heads. Uh, I think I've seen those. Some of those have like a almost fully cloth wrapped head. Some of them even have the, the fur brim on a more metal style helm. Uh, so there's a lot of different aesthetics there, and I think there's plenty to be repurposed. Um, those might work for what I'm uh, going to talk about next, actually, but I think there's a, there's enough options uh, in a lot of the various goblin ranges, um, even uh, Noblars, uh I think I've seen used.
2: Yeah, noblers was was kind of the answer I was waiting for. They are definitely the most popular head source partly because nobblers can be had for cheap and partly because they don't quite look like night goblins or orcs, which puts them in a sweet spot, I think, for a lot of converters. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And and I think particularly on the Plague Monks, where just with the way the Plague Monks head is attached, uh, I I think those lend pretty well. And then almost in the exact same way that that Oxy did with his... with his hats and the slight and subtle convergence he did, I, I think you could run something very similar and, and lean into the green stuff there and, and, you know, kind of make the hat style a, more in a traditional hobgoblin sense. But, um, but yeah, in tandem with the, some of the, the larger, say grot heads. Um, lots of folks have used, used those on more traditional clan rats. Uh, and so clan rats are what I use for, for my scaven, uh, fell into a huge pile of those uh but they came in the island of blood kit uh quite quite some time ago and so they were available for for next to nothing for a very long time i haven't checked the market in a while i'm guessing that's probably dried up but uh there was a substantial period of time where those were were used pretty heavily since they were available for cheap being one of those uh starter kits that gets partsed up and and sold on ebay all the time um most of the clan rats that i have are are from that island of blood kit and they're um a little bit less flexible i think than than some of the other clan rats kits uh they're more like all integral body uh and one arm and then you have the separate arm which is a weapon that you can swap out and choose whatever uh so they're a little bit different in that regard than some of the regular clan rats but they still have a fair amount of cloth uh there's a little bit more exposed and f- from when I painted them uh like the a, a couple of them have a thigh exposed or like an upper arm where you see some fur, but they're not necessarily like furred from the in the forearms or the bottoms of the calves or anything, so there's definitely some some work you might need to do there um as opposed to the plague monks, which are a little bit more clothed but i, I think that's pretty overcomable. um although now that the island blood kit is not as cheap, I don't think that's quite as cost efficient as going with the plague monks relative to that but there's also um the tails which are i think they usually curl back and end up interfacing with the cloth again so you'd have a little bit more work to do there as well uh, but there's been plenty of folks who've had really creative cracks at uh, at hobgoblins using those uh and, and i think they look great and definitely a couple of tactics were brought up and something that um i don't think is mentioned enough but I, i've seen it on different hobby YouTubes and places where you take uh the the liquid green stuff product and kind of smear it on a cloth and you can get a pretty good um you know you're covering up mistakes you're covering up imperfections but you're also gaining uh, a texture that that looks interesting for a model like this where you're um you're doing a ton of cloth but it gives it some some grit and some texture to it and I don't know if have any of you guys ever played around with liquid green stuff or not just like gap filling Never touched it. I've
0: never actually used a product at all. Yeah, never used it.
3: It's actually it's funny because I I don't necessarily value it as a gap filler anymore. Uh, it, I feel like it it takes me just as long as to fill a gap more manually or in some other way. But using it as a texture um, has kind of changed changed the way I've, I've seen that product. I mean, I I got one back when it first started because I was interested in it just for cleaning up models. But I'd say like half of that pot was was definitely not used for anything related to uh gap filling or any of that nature but it's it's a cool it's a cool technique and not sure if you could get something similar by using more of a texture paint i'm sure games workshop has some new solutions for that um so there might be some other ways to go around it but um that's one of the the simplest things to just take uh and yeah you don't want to file up or or touch up that area you cut off the tail just kind of drab a blob of liquid green stuff and smear it over it and you get a, a cool texture out of it
2: very cool thank you very much i think those are, are very much kind of um some of the the quickest and cleanest routes to converting hobgoblins that i think you're right that we see around the forum quite a lot um i'm obviously of course waiting Reva, for you to find some way of putting them in uh, a pirate outfit and or some kind of mechanical suit possibly a mechanical pirate suit. Um, but I'm sure you'll find your way to that in your own time.
3: <laughs> That's funny. Because uh back when we had the the nautical golden hat, it wasn't even me, somebody else, and I'm I'm not gonna be able to remember it off off hand, but somebody actually had some goblins and diver helmets and it was it was a fantastic little unit. Very characterful, like had a treasure chest, lugging around. It was uh yeah, I can't remember who it was, but there's been precedent there and it's definitely on my radar. Nice. Uh, I think even when I've been posting some of my steampunk sea creatures um that I somebody threw me out the idea that I need to make a steampunk bolt thrower and and crew that with some diver helmet goblins which is something that's been back burner right now, but there's definitely I mean I'm not <laughs> You aren't the first person to think about that, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> you know what? on on my project list there is a Marienberg landship that I have um that I'm going to fit uh, a bunch of um classic goblin rather than hobgoblin bolt throwers to and turn into a Gorkamorka style um landship galleon for my rebel grots. Um, I'm not in any way competent to do that, um, but it is the kind of thing that that I think is cool too. Um, So, Michael, I guess, um, in terms of your thinking on Hobgoblins, how you feel about them, what you've done in the past, what you might do in the future, um, maybe especially from your perspective as Mr. 3D Printing, um, what do you think and uh, what direction have you gone in, if you have?
1: Okay, so... I have thought about this quite long, actually, because, well, my Hobgoblins are free. So price points I win, <laughs> but I'll come back to that. Infinite Hobgoblins, he's broken my calculator. Let's let's say the models are free. Printing isn't free, but I'll come to that. So I also wanted to look for um, if I could find some ranges that the, that I didn't own, that I had to buy, and see if I could work out a price point on that and i have found some so i'll share some pictures which i downloaded just mere seconds ago so these are um some of this guy's range they're on my mini factory don't know if you know this site now there aren't a whole lot of poses i believe there are six or something in that range um they're not the most beautiful goblins i've seen but they could work pretty well in an army for me. Um and they're about three Euros, I think, each, two, two ninety-nine or something. Um, so say you buy six of these, that would be uh f- well, eighteen euros, and then printing them would be uh phew, help me check what 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 would cost to print these? 20 cents, 10 cents? Uh, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, something like that. About about, about 20 pence for me. But
1: yeah. I, I, I think you could print, well, not considering failures and stuff like that, you could probably print between 100 and 200 models with a liter of resin. So uh, calculating that price would be about 35 euros for the resin and 18 euros for the models, I suppose. And then you'd have, let's go low balling, uh, one hundred and fifty goblins. Though they wouldn't be very unique, so either you have to do some um, editing, virtually while while pre-printing, you know, change weapons posing a bit, or you know, have had them afterwards.
2: These guys would be good for that because they got bare heads. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say that. Very easy weapon swaps as well. Looks like
1: that's that's one thing I haven't found a lot of goblins with headwear <laughs> that are not free. <laughs> For some reason, I can only find free ones. But eh. so the next range, similar, but I think they look just a bit more menacing and evil. I really like these. Wow, they are beautiful. Same price point, so not much else to say about those except there are only three poses, and uh, well. I think it would be a bit harder to convert these into a, a distinct-looking unit of 40 models or something like that. It would be pretty repetitive.
3: Yeah, you might be right about that, but those are exactly the pirate goblins
1: I'm looking for. Well, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you found your cabin,
1: boy. Exactly. I only need a couple. On to the cheapest ones I found, which were well free to download. Um, actually, I have a set of uh, hobgoblins. And they were for free on Thingiverse for quite some time. But uh, after maybe two months after I printed them and put them on the Discourse, they were uh, removed by the poster for some reason, by the initial uh, creator. And he hasn't responded on why. Because we had a chat before uh, where I even paid him, uh, you know, you can donate some money to the creator for their efforts. So I even paid him because I was so happy to find neat-looking uh, hobgoblins. And he was like, oh, thank you for paying. And he was happy. But for some reason, he took it off and he's not responding to uh, chats on Thingiverse. So probably he was asked to do so.
2: Wow. I love these. I think they are absolutely fantastic.
1: Also, I love their shields. They're a bit night goblin-y, but I really like them. Yeah. I like them. Also, the the which Oxamandia said, the Mongolian looking hats. Well, there they are.
2: They've, they've taken the aesthetic of the classic goblin regiment, right? Which had a couple of those um, hats mixed in for your wolf riders and is just like let them breathe a little bit, you know, added an extra edge to them, made the archers more interesting. God, oh, it's just our luck that they've been taken down, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. If uh, some of us, not telling names are lucky enough to make <laughs> to make to have made backups, but yeah, yeah, they're not available for downloads anymore. And I really—it's—it's it's a shame because I really hoped he would have made a command group for these. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can do it myself, but it's not the same, you know. He would have probably done a much better job. However, I have found replacements, maybe you know uh, competitors. I'll send a, a, a bit more detailed picture first. There's also a whole lot of unique characters or uh, unique models in these. Oh, nice! They look pretty nice. They're not as not as characterful as the other ones. You know, they they look a bit like Smurfs. <laughs>
2: but... Yeah, they've they've they've. The thing is, they've got the Scythian peaked hat, but the peak is too fat. It's not exactly. natural fabric, so it looks fake and a bit, in some cases, a bit dong-like.
0: Uh, <laughs> I just want to paint them blue in white clothes now, though, because I, I actually love these models. I, I've, I've been eyeing these up on Thingiverse for a while, but now I have so many ideas about my next Smurf army. Thank you.
1: But, I mean, the, the thing is, like, if you take these models and you just split the top of the, the, the head part off digitally and you print them, you can just green stuff anything on there you want, and it's not a lot of work. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's easy for me saying that because I don't really sculpt, but still, it doesn't seem like a lot of work.
2: No, absolutely. Well, those are those are great because those are um, just for the benefit of listeners who who maybe don't have the advantage of YouTube or anything like that. Really, what we're looking at on Thingiverse here is a set of hobgoblins that are the exact '90s aesthetic. You know, the the faces aren't exactly as proportioned as they are, but honestly, this is an execution on. I want classic Hobgoblins, where can I get them? Um, Which lots of other artists have gone in their own different direction. Um,
0: Michael, have you just posted
2: a picture of light (laughs)
0: goblins painted a smirk?
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Outstanding.
2: Technically, I think those were just goblin goblins. They were, yeah. They
0: are old starter
2: edition ones, weren't they? Yeah. I got a a handful of those in an otherwise really crap... um, eBay haul, but that's a story for another day. Well, thank you very much. That was a really fascinating trip through 3D printing world, Michael. And you've lived up to your reputation as the guru of that space. Is there anything else you were gonna show us before I just finish it off by looking at a couple of retail ranges?
0: One thing you haven't mentioned, Michael, 3D printing, Hobgoblins, Fabelzo stuff.
1: Right, of course, I completely forgot those. Yeah. The reason I forgot those is because they didn't really fit into my own army. Because it's all you know, modern, grim, dark stuff. They are absolutely beautiful and also free. So, yeah. if you want a more classic-looking hobgoblin or chaos dwarf army, definitely check out Zell's miniatures. Absolutely, high praises.
2: Yeah, uh, and and if you want to search for Zell, now we'll try and post um, links to all this stuff we've discussed on the thread on Discourse. So don't worry if you're interested in any of the things we've cooed over. um, We'll try and make um, as many of the ones that are still up or still available commercially um, visible as we can. Um, But Fabelzel is F-A-B-E-L-Z-E-L. And then you'll find him. That's a very distinctive name um, straight away. He's got a great Patreon. I'm actually a patron of his um, and you could be, too. Um, and I guess that brings me then to kind of close things off as what if you are like me, a talentless hack who it doesn't have a 3D printer and is a bit of a Mr. Moneybags, can you spend your way out of this problem, um, assuming that you've exhausted vintage hobgoblins at the price point that you're willing to pursue? Um, and really the the two answers on the open market right now the open legit market for you to consider are russian alternative who is just recently following on from their excellent work realizing um the redesign of their chaos dwarf range the dwarves of fire canyon um they've moved into hobgoblins now they just call them goblins and they occupy a kind of middle position between the classic gw gobo and a proper hobgoblin but they do have many of the hats and they do have a slightly more um of the height of kind of a human than of a conventional goblin um and they do have a wolf rider unit as well now if you know russian alternative which you probably do you'll know their pricing is somewhere between gw and less in the a, a character will usually set you back about 10 us dollars which is an appreciable amount Um, in the non GW miniature space and a regiment of five wolf riders will set you back 20 bucks but you know with Russian alternative that you're getting really great quality resin and that they're fitting together really well so I thoroughly recommend that you have a look at those Um, and then the the other thing that I think it's worth um, taking a look at is um, let me just find this tab that I've buried deep in the wilds, is a little site called thebattleforge.co.uk. And the Battleforge is a kind of small-scale metal caster who does his own designs. He's got classic, largely 80s-style chaos dwarfs. No appreciable Mesopotamian motifs, bull centaurs, none of that. But the one thing from the 90s that Battleforge has delivered on is full regiment-sized groups of classic Scythian hat-hob goblins, all in metal, and at a price point of about £2 a man. So you'll pay £40 for a regiment of 20, but what you will get with that regiment is a full command section that you don't have to pay for separately, which I think is a really nice touch. Um, and you can get them with spears, clubs, or stone axes um and they've all got shields as an option that you can include as well i have a regiment of these guys i like them quite a lot the weapons are a bit primitive for my taste um but i think they're underrated people don't talk about the site enough and i think he's clearly a passionate guy um and his stuff's well worth a look that's the end of the hobgoblin story
0: (laughs) nice one well i think it's nice to see that there are options available for people i mean Certainly an awful lot more options available to people than, than were when I first started getting into Chaos Dwarfs. When I first started getting into Chaos Dwarfs, back when I was a lowly, lowly lurker on the old forum, it really was um, the Battle of Skull past days. And, you know, people on the forum will know what I mean by that, people that aren't yet part of the forum. When I talk about Battle of Skull past days, I'm talking about the days when people would buy the old um, goblins versus Dwarfs starter set for Warhammer Fantasy Battles at the time, and they would convert all the Dwarfs into um, Chaos Dwarfs and convert all the Goblins, the Night Goblins, into Hobgoblins, normally by making those Hobgoblins um, slightly taller and stuff. But we've come a long, long way from those days where our options now, and this is this is something I keep coming back to, our options now as fans of Chaos Dwarfs have never been greater. There are so many options available to us, be it through physical models, converting, or or through three D printing. That we can, we can have the stuff that we want. It's lovely, isn't it?
1: It's perfect. I mean, you know, the fact that you ask four people the same question and you get a completely different answer is is just terrific. Um, also, the fact that there is just, I mean, even by looking at at suitable goblins for this discussion specifically there's so much on these sites. i'm only on my mini factory and i've scrolled past uh six pages of goblins um well mostly not suited for hobgoblin use but still there's so much out there it's perfect and that's only on 3d printing then there's uh alternative model creators like like russian alternative and stuff like that which i hadn't seen before but these are very gorgeous looking models um and then there's the the homemade stuff i mean it's just it it almost feels like you're being spoiled even though we're like the least supported army in the history and that's not true
2: i completely agree with you michael i think the irony of this is right that for an unbelievably creative hobby gw through their neglect and i think it's fair to say in some cases through their greed regarding the price point for legion of asgore infantry have induced this market by virtue of having accidentally had this incredible idea in 1993 rick Priestley gave us this fully realized concept of mesopotamian dwarfs who are enthralled to a bull god who have green skin slaves and like one sentence concept and it has resonated down the decades to the point where all these creatives who were growing up in that period have now turned their hands to addressing it and the market is still strong.
0: Absolutely and the market is you know is strong as well because that, that's that forced creativity. If I was an empire fanatic I wouldn't have spent the last 20 years learning how to sculpt empire models. If I was a Chaos Dwarf fanatic, there's a chance I have.
2: I mean, Chubb makes Chaos Dwarfs out of pins. (laughs) That that is not that is the product of neglect by GW that has created something really beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah, on on Michael's point too. Gonna throw a, a plug in for future me combine all of these things you take the russian alternative hobgoblins which you know, there's what two different units now there's uh archers and then spears and or hand weapon i think that's what they have now uh that's still only 10 models so if you're looking for a slave unit it would be awesome to have a 3d printer and like michael said he was finding tons of heads you could potentially just head swap all those russian alternatives with uh cool 3d printed heads being amalgamation of taking something 3d printing and uh purchasing something from one of the ranges that exists i think that would have a pretty cool aesthetic
2: agreed i can't wait to see you guys do it and i can't wait to pay all of my money for all of these things
1: (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if if at some point you know we're going to get a similar situation as as we are seeing now with all models being you know some of them are getting to the point of being priceless um, will there be a time where due to some strange happening on the interweb that, you know, some set of old three D files will be highly coveted or or, you know, mystified like, Oh I, w- I really need those three D files.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Th- physical models are easier to lose over the mists of time than than files are, but yeah. the the files can be lost they can be lost there's a reason why admiral and and a few others had to do such a big job to salvage the the files from the old forum getting them over to the new forum because you know even files can be lost with enough time
1: well especially with you know a lot of content isn't free there's there's like all the lost kingdom stuff it's not free it's not expensive either but it's not free so I can imagine in, in, you know, say 10 years or so and, and Lost Kingdom has either moved on or hopefully not, but, you know, quit their business and their webshop is down. I can imagine that people would find it difficult to find these models. And, and especially, you know, some rare specific single model or a or Kickstarter exclusive of something that might exist somewhere on somebody's computer, but not be available on the internet for easy access for all. With easy access to all, hmm. I think what we're hearing here is is uh, one of
3: Michael Michael's greatest dreams, in which he has all of the 3D files that everybody wants in the entire world, and he ha- he can price them however he so
2: pleases. <laughs> well, so what What you do in that situation, Michael, is you start saying to people that you're a vintage STL broker. And then you just sort of wait for them to figure out what that means in private chat.
1: Well, if I ever get to that point, I'll definitely talk to you as a master.
0: (laughs) Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. (laughs) Oh, so I think that's about that for tonight. Um. We are going to be wrapping this up, but next episode, which can be coming out pretty darn soon, is going to be a Golden Hat special. So the uh, Golden Hat competition is still running at the time of recording, but by the time of the next podcast will have been finished finished and all of the entrance uh, siege giants will have been uh, produced and put up on the forum and we're going to go through them one by one and we're going to be discussing each of those uh, pieces of work and I'm really really excited for this because it looks like we've had quite a lot of entrance, and it looks like we've had some relatively new people enter and we've also had some of the old guard coming out of the woodwork to enter theirs as well So. It's gonna be good, it's gonna be really, really good. I can already feel the standard's gonna be high. So that's what we're gonna be focusing on next episode. Also next episode, we're gonna be giving you guys a tiny little preview for what's coming up in the next Brazen Bulletin webzine. Listeners will know that we were lucky enough to secure an interview with Rick Priestley himself. And we're not gonna give away the entire interview, but we're gonna talk about maybe two or three of his responses to some of our questions and discuss those on on the podcast as well. Um, And hopefully pretty soon after that, you'll start hearing the first rumblings of the new Brazen Bulletin coming out. We've got quite a lot of material for it already, uh, but we're always looking for new material as well. So if you have anything that you would like us to discuss on this podcast, or if you have anything that you would like to contribute to our website, you can send an email to brazenbulletin at gmail.com. That's brazenbulletin at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear your ideas. And if you've got articles or photographs or anything that you'd like to see in our magazine, we'd, we'd, we'd gratefully, gratefully accept that. Um, and of course... Uh, the place where you all need to be is the chaos dwarfs online forum so if you haven't already please 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 sign up at discourse.chaos-dwarfs.com and we'd love to see you on the forum we're all very active there as are a lot of the people we've been mentioning it's uh, it's an absolute hub of creativity on the internet and we'd love to see you there but i think that's just about everything for tonight gents so we'll probably say goodbye now and we will see you all again very soon all right See you later guys. T'a. Bye -bye. Bye bye.